And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Eufy is sponsoring today's video. They reached out to me. I tested out their video lock. It is a game changer. I'm going to paint a picture for you for why I'm so excited to work with them. So you're getting home. Your arms are loaded with groceries or packages or boxes or everything. And your keys are in your pocket. This drives me nuts. This happens all the time. I upgraded to the Eufy video lock. Fingerprint tap i'm inside and honestly i also feel way safer it's got this awesome built-in camera so whether it's a package delivery or late night uber order i see exactly who's there right from my phone there are no more mystery knocks and the best part this thing was such a breeze to set up there's no wires there's no drilling uh there's also no monthly subscription fees so if you are done fumbling with your keys because i definitely am search for eufy video lock or head over to eufyofficial.com video lock your front door, your sanity. The only podcast you need for your business. Let's do this. Welcome to the Sales versus Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Scott. Join me as we explore and demystify the latest trends, technologies, and strategies used to achieve massive growth in 10x businesses. I'll be sitting down with sales, marketing, and business leaders to dissect what's worked for them, dispel myths, and deliver actionable insights that you can use to ensure repeatable, sustainable, and predictable revenue in your business. Thank you so much for joining me on the Sales versus Marketing podcast, where we speak with sales, marketing, and business leaders. I'm your host, Scott, and today we are sitting down with the CEO of Replays, Dave Kennett. Now, Dave is a tenured sales leader, so he has over 20 years of sales experience. Uh, he has worked in both startup land and uh, enterprise and big business. He has held uh, progressively uh, more senior roles as his career has progressed uh, from individual contributor way back when to various director of sales roles, uh, VP sales roles. Uh, he's worked uh, with household names such as Hootsuite, uh, Payfirma. He's been VP sales at NetPoint and BuddyBuild, which was actually acquired by Apple. Um, so he's held quite a, a variety of different uh, sales leadership roles, which is why I'm very excited to speak to him about what he's doing now at Replays. Um, so I'm going to hand it over to Dave, who's going to give a little bit of a background about uh, who he is and you know uh, his origin story, and then we can speak a little bit about his company and what he's working on now. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. So yeah, in terms of my experience, as you mentioned, I've been in sales uh, for in the sales game for like 20 years now, uh, basically right out of university and even including my work terms at university. Like uh, I remember working for a water company and literally like slogging water door to door saying, hey, do you want a free water trial? Um, and, you know, even that was very informative 
in my career because I was in charge of like driving top of funnel and getting those leads in, right? And then someone else would call them in two weeks and close them. And even back then, I had a very high uh, discomfort uh, with that, right? Someone else closing my own leads. It's like, you know, so I guess I was like the equivalent of the, you know, late uh, 1990s SDR, but face-to-face, -face, right? And so, so, so um, even, even more brutal than, than calling. Yeah, right? Yeah. right. But you know, you'd walk into a, a hair salon, there'd be a million people get their hair done and be like, Hey, is there a manager here? Do you guys want water? Uh, but it, you know, obviously a very um, informative experience and humbling and all, all that fun stuff. And you know what, I had a good closer who, who actually made me look good. So that worked out well. But uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I started up in startup world for about three and a half years when I got out of school. And then I, um, went into big business. Someone said to me, Hey kid, they said to me back then, uh, I wish they'd say that to me now, uh, you know, <laughs> get, go, go into big business early, learn on their dime. So I actually did that. I worked for uh, WW Granger. Um, you know, it was then a $6 billion company, much larger now and got a lot of, you know, that's where I got my first start in, um, uh, sales leadership and then moved to auto trader and was director of sales for British Columbia here in Canada. And, was there in a, a pretty pivotal time actually in their history when they were transitioning from print to online. So mm -hmm. it was, you know, a make it or break it period of years that I was very fortunate to be part of and certainly yeah. look back and go, ah, I was going to say the original digital transformation. <laughs> it, it actually really was, man, it actually really was. And so, you know, um, it, you're right. And so from there, uh, I was there for three and a half years and, then moved into startup land and been there pretty much ever since. You know, the last eight or nine years, I've worked for different startups as head of sales and would help grow it for better or for worse. And, you know, had some, it's all been phenomenal experience, but certainly I've had ones that have had better product market fit than others. And, um, and so I've, we've had ones that were successful and ones um, that, that weren't. Uh, so, and then, you know, leads me to today where I am, um, started a company called replays where we uh we help organizations uh really do more call coaching and um and use a, a standardized process for doing that it's one of those things that i wish i had but anyway that's that's just kind of the quick uh quick and dirty on my my last 20 years no it's good so so why why replays what did you what did you experience over um big business and startup uh, that led you to want to to do this so dive a little bit more into like the you know the state of, of sales coaching, um, because you're, you know, obviously you're the expert at that now, uh, and you, and that's what prompted you to do what you're doing. So I want to sort of frame up and tee up why replays is a, is, is a company. Yeah, for sure. Actually, so on that note that you just said, uh, saying that I'm an expert, you have no idea how much pressure there is when I'm doing a sales call, which I do pretty much every day, multiple times a day. And they're like judging me whether they're going to move forward on our business based on how I sell. Right. So, um, and, and it's funny, I actually pitched to my old boss from like 10 years ago, uh, yesterday. And he started coaching me halfway through the call in front of the CRO. And I was like, no, dude, Oh no, but, you know, it was, <laughs> it was actually awesome. Uh, because we had a good laugh about it and it was a good, um, ability for me to also very humbly say, Hey, listen, like, this is why we all need coaching. We all have blind spots, every single one of us. And so when I go on a call with uh, senior executive folks and I'm walking through uh, replays and doing a discovery and that kind of thing, I'm like, hey, there's probably a few things you've seen in the last 45 minutes where you're like, 
I would have done that differently. But that's the whole point. It's not just for junior reps, right? You look at any professional athlete, they've got coaches they, to take them, notch them up to the next level. And so, um, but anyway, to answer your question, you know, going back to, uh, it's probably the, the way, I think the best way to answer your question on sort of why coaching and, um, and, and what's a, a good process for doing it, et cetera, is you go back to one of the companies I worked for about 15 years ago, and they invested a few million bucks in a really good sales process. And yeah, they rolled it out and there was no follow-up to that. There was no train the trainer, right? And about a year later, we, uh, we were a very data-driven organization. A year later, we realized, wait a sec, we actually haven't seen movement. Uh, we saw an initial blip upwards, but mm -hmm. then it, it really fell off. And so uh, we called them back in. And this happened to be very lucky, Tommy, for me, right when I became a sales leader. And they implemented a train the trainer program with the same methodology. And that's where we would, as sales leaders, every week when we had our sales meetings, we would do role plays for half an hour. Um, and we would um, do role plays over calls throughout the week as well. And we really built this culture of coaching. We'd have coaching forms. We'd hand those into our sales. Like as a sales leader, I would hand it into my director and the director would make sure we had X number of calls per month, et cetera. So that's really where, when, when I think of how to kind of model a great phenomenal uh, coaching culture, that one hit a bunch of the tenants. At least it was emerging that way uh, when I started there. And, you know, I, I think where we've fallen short with, um, I sort of say we as an industry, as a discipline, is if you were to look at how many hours the average sales rep actually gets call coached in the course of a month, it's very, very low on average. Um, you know, some outliers out there are fantastic, but uh, unfortunately, all the studies I've seen and the informal polls when we do webinars and podcasts, we'll have hundreds of people and we'll do a quick poll, be like, hey, how many reps here get coached more than, you know, five or less than uh, an hour a month, less, and then one to three hours, and then three to six or six and more. And it's like overwhelmingly over 80% of the reps are getting coached less than an hour and a half per month. And that's just not, you know, fair to them. Uh, and, and the honest thing is, we obviously have to look at the sales manager, but yeah. I was a sales manager for years. I wasn't doing it enough either. So, so this is, I want you to touch on this because I, I, yeah. I, have, I have opinions, but I really, I want to hear your opinions. Why is sales as a business unit so, so forgotten? There's so, there's so much lack of process. There's so much lack of coaching just to sort of frame up why sales is, is this struggling, uh, you know, this archaic uh, business unit within, within an organization when everything else has proper training, has proper KPIs, has proper process. Um, why do you think coaching for or sales in general is sort of lack that? I think you have to start with ROI. And I think you have to, 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 to justify, if I'm a sales, senior sales leader, sitting around the executive table, arm wrestling for budget to train my team. I'm going to really have to prove the ROI on that. And so A, that means I need to be a data-driven organization to begin with. And we both know that there's some great ones out there, but that's sometimes a challenge. Um, and B, we got to be willing to stick our, stick our neck on the line and say, hey, this is actually going to work. I, I know it. I've seen it. And, um, and then we need to actually implement it in a way that is going to be scalable and systemic, not just like the scenario I describe where it's like you, you do it once and then it really didn't make an impact. So 
I think that it starts with the sales leader taking a risk. And that sales leader has got to have experience being in a sales organization where uh, coaching was really ingrained in the culture. And that, that's not always the case. I think that's where it starts. So replays, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of, I'm going to wrap up replays in, in a single statement, then you can keep going. So replays is basically uh, giving people the opportunity to take that risk outside of the organization. And then now you can, now you can uh, quantify the ROI and hopefully you can roll that out in perpetuity, like obviously through your company, but yeah. walk us, like walk us through just briefly so they understand how replays actually works, which unfortunately it should be something within an organization, but it's obviously not. So how do you sort of fill the gap that you're speaking about, about, you know, the sales leaders are not comfortable going out on the limb. Uh, they can't prove ROI. Uh, they can't prove the coaching works. It, you know, the, the coaching that is brought in is only a one time, one and done, and it's not effective long-term. So what does replays do for organizations that, that check all those boxes? We make sure that sales professionals are actually getting coached and that they're getting coached to a methodology that works. And so what that means is they're closing more deals. Um, they're closing larger deals and they're closing them quicker. So that's the kind of the, you know, what we do, the how we do it is pretty unique. I mean, uh, replays couldn't have existed a handful of years ago because the technology wasn't there. So now that especially tech companies are using um, lots of screen share technologies like Zoom, et cetera, to be doing demos and discovery calls, which by the way, for everyone listening, if you're a sales professional and you're doing all that over the phone right now, highly recommend that you switch to, to video uh, for multiple reasons, but we can talk about that later. And so um, the, the fact that people are now recording uh, these calls means that they can effectively find a partner like Replays to review their calls. And, you know, one of the things that used to drive me nuts and also the sales reps that reported to me is I've been in some organizations where we would have folks coming in that were, say, uh, from the marketing department, very bright, very fantastic folks, love them, love working alongside them. But they would come and deliver sales training and we go to their LinkedIn profile and they haven't sold a day in their life. And so the, right away, there's street cred that's lost there, right? So yeah. the one thing that replays changes about that is when a, a rep is being coached by replays, it's from someone where they looked at LinkedIn profile and they're like, oh man, I can learn from this person. Um, and they, you know, they simply send us their Zoom calls and we're like the coach up on the top right corner. Think of a YouTube video uh, where you've got the YouTuber on the top right of the screen. We're actually sitting there listening to the recorded demos. And let's say they're doing a, a part of a, a closing on a commercial call and walking through the financials and we might pause it and be like, hey, that talk track you use there, really um, wasn't effective. Here's what we recommend as a repeatable, scalable process. And, you know, thankfully, Scott, we've got like literally thousands of demos we reviewed. And now we've distilled it into what we call that, like the hundred, I don't want to sound like a, uh, you know, an ad here, by the way, but it's like- No, 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 I'm gonna, I wanted to say something. So before this, you told me, I don't want to talk too much about replays because it's going to sound salesy. The reason why I pushed you to talk about replays is yeah. because the process and the workflow and the, and the customer experience, user experience, is what sales organizations should be doing for right. their sales already. So when you walk through your whole company and, your, and how you do business, that's what I wanted to draw out as an effective coaching strategy. That's what it's gonna, that's why I, I really want. <laughs> that's awesome, I love it. Yeah, so, you know, so we have a 100 point replays methodology where it's like, hey, let us, we've taken the thousands of hours we've reviewed, we've distilled it into this handbook. Where's the modern day handbook for how to actually conduct 
uh, a video call and demo online? How much time do you do on discovery versus demo? How often do you check in? Uh, what should your lighting and background be like? And what customer stories to use and how and why? These are things where we love all the different sales processes out there, right? Challenger, Sandler, uh, Miller Harmon, they're all great. Uh, but we're not that. We kind of dance in the white spaces between there where um, that aren't covered. And so then we, um, we, we um, basically make it really low touch. So the reps don't have to go to a boardroom for, you know, we can do uh, process training. They just send us a recording that they already did. And we have a one-on-one -on -one to get to know them a little bit for half an hour. And we do one-on-one um, -on -one role play calls and stuff like that. And, you know, the goal, though, is 100% to be able to pass the baton back and forth between our sales coaches and their sales coaches. You know, it's, it's almost, I mean, economically, of course, it's good for us if we do all the coaching, but it's kind of sad for me as a sales leader if they farm that out. I'd way rather we position their new sales leaders for success or help them as they're going through hyper growth and don't have time to actually coach. So like episodic things, that's where we want to really step in and help. There's, um, there's a lot of benefits in, you know, you're speaking about video, you're speaking about remote, you're speaking about how to, you know, how to use video to connect with customers and what you should be doing. And now it's a tool that we can use to effectively coach and increase it. Like everything, everything you're speaking about, everything replays does and everything that, you know, we've discussed in terms of uh, how to engage with customers remotely. This is increasingly, like increasingly important in, in a, in a world where uh, having physical office space is becoming less and less of a priority for, for, for employees, right? They, they're working from home, they're working remote. You're working globally now you're globally connected um the ability to be effective on video is very important be effective remote and i think that i actually had a call um, with somebody who uses video to sell uh like pre-recorded video to sell and we we're just speaking about how important it is as we increasingly become more remote and try and still transact globally it's very important to be effective on video and use video because uh that's the human component if you're not going to be in the office with the person sitting down and you know, there's all these now, now there's all these other reasons for health, health concerns to be remote. Right. And all yeah. the stories about, uh, you know, get ready to send your workforce home and get ready to work for work remote and enable your work uh, or your employees to work remotely. Um, it's, it's even more relevant than ever before yeah. because outside of just being like a, a quality of life thing, now it's becoming in, in, you know, in, in 2020 right now, unfortunately, something that could be a, a a requirement for health and, and that that piece of it but anyways um so i want i kind of sidetracked you to sort of speak about replays because i want to go back to um the state of sales coaching now uh so within organizations uh we spoke about how replays works and how that's a proper process for coaching and the touch points and the review and helping people understand like a full 360 of how to do remote meetings um but what is what does sales coaching in your experience look like what's the reality on the ground in terms of current state without replays, for example? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my guess is for the folks listening, if you're a sales rep, you're probably getting less than an hour or two of coaching per month. And if you're getting more than that, congratulations, stay where you are, that's an outlier. And if you're a sales manager, a direct line sales manager, my guess is you're probably really, really meaning every single week to get up and go coach more. But because of everything that's thrown at you, you just don't get to do it enough. And if you're a VP sales, you probably think your sales managers are coached more than they are, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, maybe not. That's more of a joke, but the, the reality is. <laughs> Listen, it depends on how big the company is, but a lot of uh, yeah. the bigger the company, I'm sure the more assumed 
uh, the more assumed touch points, the, I, I actually, I remember when I first started in sales as an individual contributor, I remember a manager um, coming up to me and saying, hey, I'm just going to sit here for an hour. I have to log a, a coaching hour and uh, you just keep doing your thing. Like it was that. So I'm wow. not going to name organizations or, or names, but um, yeah. yeah, that's a reality on the ground sometimes. Well, yeah, no, it is, unfortunately. And, um, you know, definitely bigger systemic issues if that's the thought process and mentality. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, that's a whole separate discussion. But I, I think, you know, um, here's what we know. Uh, sales reps want to learn. Sales reps expect to be invested in. We know yeah. that employee turnover is much higher if they're not being invested in. We know that sales managers want to. I think where there's a blind spot here, there's so many new sales leaders that actually don't know what to coach to. So they're sitting down and listening to this call, but they're they're coaching to it based on their experience, which is great. But is it the right, um, you know, what, you only know what you know in that case. And so, yeah. uh, hey, when I was a brand new sales leader, you know, I was like, yeah, I don't know what I'm coaching to here. I'm coaching to like the, the mileage that I've got selling, which is very valuable. But, mm -hmm. you know, but outside of that, what's a repeatable, scalable process I can help with? So I think that's the other area that we really are trying to help people is, you know, let us get in there and just give a template to actually coach to. So there's a level of confidence that, hey, this is a process that works. So how do you, how do you build a culture within an organization that actually supports coaching? Well, it starts with the um, executive and specifically the, um, the CRO or VP sales or SVP sales. I think that person has to believe in it. Um, you know, where I've been in sales organizations and advised for sales organizations or done sales kickoffs for organizations where the sales leader really believes it, you can feel it when you're in the room. You can tell when you're listening to calls, reviewing calls, um, there's just this openness to feedback. And so it, it starts there. And then it's, it's a matter of building the tenets within your organization. Um, and to me, the tenets are, um, the tenets are number one, you need a process. And number two, you need a feedback mechanism. So whether you're utilizing technology, um, so any of the conversational AI tools that are out there, um, or uh, organization like Replays or what have you, th there needs to be a feedback loop. Um, and, and there needs to be a system to do that. So a checklist, for example. So for the folks listening, I would ask, is there a checklist that you have that's being utilized for a discovery call versus a demo? versus a commercial call or if it's a transactional motion, a closing call. And if not, that's a key aspect. And then um, actually building it in the fabric of the organization structurally through um, making it part of your uh, day or week. You know, um, one little tip for, for folks that are listening that I highly recommend, and I've implemented this in many organizations. Um, and by the way, I, I wasn't always, uh, like, I wouldn't always get an A plus for being that building that coaching culture. I just want to put my hand up for reps that have reported to me over the years that are listening. They're like, <laughs> who is this guy? It's like, you know what? A lot of it is aspirational, right? Because we, we, we try hard, but I do think that, uh, and there's, there's so much thrown at us as sales leaders, but where, where it has been effective is, you know, in your sales meetings, get your teams in threes, get a um, one person to be the buyer, one person to be the seller, one person to be the observer and uh, just throw a quick role play at them make them do um, like give the person who is going to be uh, the actual customer like just hand them a piece of paper and say okay here are the two needs uh, that you've got the person doing the discovery has to find them 
um, and you know whatever it is, or pick three differentiators of your organization. Say, okay, let's go through customer stories today, and let's see how you're going to position and weave in a customer story naturally in a sales discussion. You know, things like that. So, so that's all great, and that is what coaching should be. But I think a lot of um, I don't have stats, and I listen to a lot of podcasts that sort of speak to also the the issue with current state of sales coaching. So, what is the majority of sales coaching that, how do I phrase this? Um, what is coaching? I, I'm just going to ask the question that I wrote down ahead of time because I can't think of a better way to phrase it. I wanted to get into what is coaching and what isn't coaching. That's really what I wanted to, because a lot of organizations say they're coaching, but I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. 
That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. They're just looking at deals. So what is, what is, what is actual coaching? It's a really good point because... Um, often I'll, I'll talk to sales and like, do you guys do call? Cause you're like, Oh yeah, no, we do deal reviews all the time. Like, no, yeah. no, this isn't a pipeline call. Yeah. You know, this is actually listening to calls and talking about how that person navigated through the conversation with the prospect in a way that was going to resonate with them. Did they truly understand the need, the cost of status quo? Did they are, did the re- articulate your differentiators in a way that's going to resonate with the prospect? I mean, these are things to me that are, that are important. I, I got into an interesting debate recently with um, the, a, a leader, a, a sort of a, 
influencer out there. And like, uh, Dave, yeah, the, you know, coaching is when you use the inquiry style and you're asking questions. I, di- I agree with that. I don't disagree with that. Uh, so I'm using the term broadly, right, to mm-hmm. say, hey, you know what? It's when you give, you listen and give feedback. Um, I, and, and certainly it's doing it in a method that is supportive, that keeps their dignity in place, that makes them lean in and want to do it. Like, there's a whole aspect of this where you want to create a safe culture where people can be vulnerable and learn, right? And, yeah. and to do that, you need to lead that way. Uh, you need to call people on it if they're actually not being respectful to one another. And um, I've seen where that, that you know, can take place very, very effectively if you kind of set the ground rules for what the, what the coaching should look like. But what was, the, what was the argument between an inquisitive style and what was the, the counterpoint? Oh, actually, I'll be, I'll be frank. You know, it, it was, it was, um, they're like, Dave, you, you don't have a call coaching company. And I'm like, well, no, we do. They're like, no, but you give feedback to a rep. And I'm like, yeah, well, if there's a, let's say a rep, you know, we give feedback to CEOs who are pitching, um, right. And, but, but also first time reps and, you know, their point was, um, if you're, if you're just telling them what to do better after listening to a call or two, that's not coaching, that's feedback. And you know what my answer was? I don't care what you call it. It's semantics. The, the answer is <laughs> our sales reps get a 10% better close rate after a handful of discussions with our coaches. So they don't really care if you call it coaching or feedback, but that's why I just, uh, I, I'm sensitive now to that question. I'm like, oh, I want to make sure that uh, your listeners are aligned. You and I are aligned that the people may call it coaching or feedback. I don't really yeah. care what we call it. What, yeah. it. It's really the result that, that actually matters, right? I understand. I understand both points because let's, let's talk about the levels of coaching. So yeah. the level of coaching, which isn't, isn't coaching is pipeline review. And that's what a lot of people label as coaching. That's like the base. Right. And then you have, and then you have, I would say call coaching or call feedback, whatever you want to call it. But then the type of coaching where you're letting the reps come to their own conclusions about what behaviors or actions they should be taking. So that's another type of coaching. And then there's also activity-based management where you're helping the reps understand the activities that are going to drive results. So like, I think that, I think that as long as we elevate past just the, the pipeline review yeah. and we can, we can, you know, um, provide feedback, we can have one-on-one sessions with reps where they're trying different things and testing things out without getting that feedback and they're coming to conclusions themselves while simultaneously we're sort of providing them clues and hints on how to be successful because we know what type of actions or activities are going to lead to that success. If you can have some sort of blend of all of those types yeah. of interactions with your reps, it's already better than like 90, I don't know, 90% of the organizations out there. So I think that when you speak about how you engage with the reps, are you giving them feedback on calls or are you, are you letting them uh, think outside the box and sort of self-manage and, and you're just sort of keeping them within the, you know, the, your course correcting as you see them grow. Like there's a, a couple different ways, but they're all good. So at the end of yeah. the day, like they're all things that I think you should be doing as a leader. This is, this is like what replays this is just one, one segment of just being a great leader, a great manager, a great coach. Yeah. I if that makes sense. That. Yeah. yeah. I agree with all that. Yeah. So I think it, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because the, like the average, the average rep is getting such horrible, uh, horrible management yeah. that anything would be uh, you know, a, a better, a better professional experience. You know, it's actually going to help them. And the reason why we all know this, like it's usually the best sales rep gets promoted to manager yeah, and sure. the best sales rep is a natural. And they don't even know what they do to be successful. They're just successful. Yeah. And how do you coach to that, right? 
Yeah, well, that's exactly right. We need to empower them to have a system, right, yeah. that works. That's one way to do it. That's one mitigating factor right, in terms yeah. of positioning them for success. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And, you know, like one question I get sometimes, like, well, how could you watch one? Um, let's, let's use a transactional. Uh, I could use an enterprise example of a, you know, demo we, we talk about or transactional, but let's use transaction. It's one company I'm thinking where they do 45 minute calls and it's the discovery and the demo and, and almost the trial close at the end in 45 minutes. And, you know, one of these, these folks, um, uh, again, the same person I was referring to is like, well, you can't really give meaningful feedback if you just watch one of those. And I agree that longitudinal feedback, far better. I, I also think a process is a process for a reason. So if the person actually didn't, you know, open with an agenda, or have quote unquote meaningful check-ins as they go through, um, then, and then you give them that feedback and they say, oh, well, no, uh, I usually do that. Great, fair enough. But then if you usually do that, it should be a process. So, you know, just make sure you do it every time, right? Because I've been guilty of that. Like I t we talked to our reps, one of our replays, uh, one of our hundred points is, you know, make sure, it doesn't matter how senior you are, you're still writing down your discovery question. Um, at least, you know, the more senior you get, you might just have a couple bullet points in front of you as opposed to the full list, right? And you never want it to seem scripted. But uh, when, when I don't eat my own dog food and actually do that, I get caught. So it's like yeah. when I get caught not following my own process, it doesn't work for me. So that's why I think a process is there for a reason because it works. And if it doesn't work optimally, tweak it, but don't just ignore it because it's there for a reason. And I also think that if I do agree that you know, you want to measure their and, and look at them over several, several touch points across a, a significant period of time. But even if you, even if you just went in, like you said, to one, one specific sales call, um, you would find that if, it, if it's a process that's been followed for a long period of time, it turns into a habit. So these habits that, that have gained them success in the past, they're going to keep doing them. And you can, yeah. you can prove that out because again, the top tier sales reps who don't know why they're so successful will still do some of these things just intuitively yeah. on their calls because they just have sort of figured out that that's how they sell yeah. and it just feels comfortable. So I actually, I never, listen, unless there's like a, a really outstanding circumstance, like you're caught in the car and you can't get to your desk or like something weird that doesn't normally happen. If it's like a you know, regular day, regular work hours, regular customer, you're gonna do what you do all the time. Yeah, You're just gonna do it. That's just how, that's human nature. So. I would, I would, I would contest that. I'm sure if I pulled another random call for somebody, uh, you know, at another point in time, two months later, a month previous, it would be the exact same thing. And if I probably looked at every single call, there would probably be very few calls and it's probably just a, a load of BS that they're, uh, they're saying that they do this, but yeah, that, that's my experience at least. And I, and like you mentioned, that's because I know what my habits are and my habits always default to the same things. Even if I, you know, I could be fresh out of bed in the morning, haven't had a coffee, absolutely exhausted, and I'll do the same things as, you know, maybe not with as much effectiveness, but I'll still follow the same process, do the yeah. same things, have the same touch points in the conversation that I would as if I was, you know, sharp, uh, you know, after my coffee, after a little bit of breakfast, whatever, later on in the morning. So you kind of default to what you know. You really do. And, and, well, I agree. And, and so that's, therein lies the challenge with sales. It, that, you know, in let's use the sports analogy again, because we all love sports analogies for sales. Of course. You know, any professional athlete, they get to practice way more than they play. We don't have that luxury in sales, right? We're, we're it's game time for us most of the time. Uh, but that doesn't mean we can't practice sometimes. 
And it's when we practice sometimes intentionally that we actually build what we call replace muscle memory. Um, and well, we all, everyone knows what muscle memory is, but what I mean is we use muscle memory role plays, what we call them, where it's like, hey, if you need to build a repeatable uh, talk tracking technique for handling a pricing discussion, let's practice that a bunch of times together as your coach or practice that with your sales leader or your peers or in front of Zoom and then play it back. And until you get it to the point where it does become muscle memory, because if you try and do it in a live game, uh, that's not always a success. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, okay, so the one thing I wanted to, to speak about, because uh, we've had a whole bunch of really good points on coaching, and I'm going to open up the floor if you have any other last points, but I wanted to speak about um, participation, because true coaching is uncomfortable for reps, because if they've only ever had pipeline review, the fact that somebody's actually paying attention to them now is, is very disconcerting. So yeah. how do you get buy-in? How do you get people to, to buy into being coached? before you've been able to prove that it's effective yeah that's one uh, that's a tricky one because you know number one the proof's in the pudding but you got to work it to make it work right you got to be out, able to actually participate and you kind of get what you give in the program so pretty early on if reps aren't interested in participating i I actually just call them on it and if it doesn't change i just go to the leader and say hey probably best to use the replace credit with another uh, it just yeah. is what it is. No problem. That's fine. They don't want to. Um, but the ones that lean in, my goodness, um, you know, uh, it's, it is one of those things where um, we as sales leaders hope to hire people that are internally driven and motivated, right? That thing that we can't coach. And so, yes, some of the, the reps that um, we've worked with in the past uh, may struggle with that internal motivation. 99% don't though. And you know what? It's, it is one of those things where if they're skeptical, um, their sales leader says, well, just give replays a chance. I've checked them out. I've talked to a bunch of other sales leaders I know. Uh, they've got all these testimonials. And sure enough, they get feedback and like, okay, I had no idea that I was falling into these bad habits. That was helpful. I'll do one more call. Then they do another one. And then they yeah. start to get addicted. Like the term I'm hearing from our customers are that they're getting addicted to the replace coaching. But let's take the replace coaching out of it. It's just people get addicted to good coaching period, right? If they've, they've got someone that they respect that has been there and done that and understands, they can help them look around corners uh, because they've been there. That is something people will typically lean in on. And then they, of course, yeah. start to see the results in their numbers. Well, that's also why people um, stay for the manager, right? And leave for the manager. At the, that's, that's why, because they feel that they have their best interests in mind. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what does an all-inclusive, world-class coaching program look like in an organization from start, first interview, all the way through to you know, year five with the company? What, what does that look like? Obviously, that's going to be a little bit outside the scope of just replays, but um, yeah. if an organization is looking to sort of revamp. So, when now, just to make, so I've got the right context, when you say, yeah. are you more saying holistically, what does it look like? Are you wanting us to go through the journey of first interview for a rep through to five? Um, it doesn't really matter because okay. I, I, want you to, I want you to sort of answer however, however you think it, it would best be uh, answered. Sure. Well, I yeah. love that you said first interview because one of my uh, processes is, is anyone that has ever re report, uh, been hired in my sales organization uh, would have to go through a role play first. So actually, it actually starts there. And if they have a level of discomfort with that, it, they can self-select out. 
And if they don't, uh, it, you know, there's no better way to understand how someone's going to do um, than by actually seeing them do it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in addition to actually have them usually hang out at the organization for a day before they make their decision, I like to see them make it through a role playing. You know, for uh, a lower level sales position, we're talking about a very uh, uh, straightforward couple minute, like five, five, 10 minute role play. But for uh, a senior enterprise account executive, we're talking about an hour long presentation with one or two very senior people in the room on our side, um, as long along with a couple sales reps. And let's see how they handle pressure. Let's see how they think on their feet. Let's see how they get creative. And let's see what process they follow. So that's one thing is we're starting right at the top of the funnel, so to speak, for employees. Yeah. I, um, I, think that, uh, I think that is a key aspect, coaching culture. Um, the next is a process. Pick a process and run with it. Once you've got the process, make sure that you've systematized it. And that means call coaching forms. That means KPIs with respect to all of the sales leaders and sales reps, quarterly performance reviews, for example. Right. So a sales leader should be just like a sales reps, you know, need, you know, expect to do X number of calls potentially per week, month, what have you. Um, the sales leader should be expected to review X number of call reviews uh, per rep per month or per quarter. And then and that can also I, extend to I just want to before you that can also extend to uh, going to a customer site once a month or once a quarter, depending on the size of depending on the size of the account. I think that yeah. there's a lot of touch points that you should KPI into your, into your sales leadership. That isn't just like, you know, spreadsheet managing. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and I've lived that myself. I, I fell to spreadsheet heavy closed door behind a computer, man, did I lose the respect to my team fast? This is about yeah. an organization I was with about, I don't know, a, a number of years ago, over a decade ago. And, and so, yeah, for any first time managers listening, what Scott has said, excellent point, like get out there with your people. That's number one, right? Your folks want to know, A, that you could do the job as good as them, if not better. And they want to know that you've got their back. And they want to know that you understand their role. And you can't understand, you can understand sales, but you can't understand their role until you're actually out there with them shoulder to shoulder if it's an outside call or listening shoulder to shoulder if it's yeah. an in, in, inside sales. Anyway, so sorry, keep going. I just wanted to touch on that point. It didn't have to be just on the, on the call. I wanted to get out there once in a while. That's what I wanted to drive home, but keep going on the, on the world-class. So you have your KPIs built into sales leadership. Is there anything else? Yeah. Well, and I think within those KPIs, you want to do X number of uh, actual training sessions per week, month, quarter. So, you know, this looks vastly um, different in terms of who you're engaging for, let's say a larger organization where there's a sales enablement team and you're looping them in and getting support versus a startup and but it's just as relevant right so if you're a ceo listening and you got eight people on your team and you just hired your first two reps and you actually can't afford a sales manager yet um you got to find a way to uh keep those two sales reps challenged and and find a system that works um and and, and develop them so it's just as important if you're with a fortune 100 company or a startup with 15 people and two reps very good. Um, and on the topic of sales coaching, uh, is there anything that we didn't touch that you wanted to, to bring to the table? This is your wheelhouse, so. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, no, I, I, think, I think that covers it. I would just say if, you know, if I were to throw, if, if someone wants a tactical piece of advice for your next demo or sales discussion, go and memorize very, very well, if you haven't already, a few of your customer stories and get those down to one minute. 
um, and use those. Too many sales reps say, we see this all the time in the demos review, they'll do one of three things. They'll either say, um, oh yeah, I'll send you a case study on that. It's like, wait, no, you're the salesperson. You've got them on the call. Like <laughs> you're, you're actually probably a pretty good communicator. You wouldn't be in the sales role. Like you're not going to open the case study most of the time. The second is um, they actually do share the case study, but they take like 10 minutes to say it. Or the third thing is they don't even share any. And you know, we actually recommend if you, if, if the folks listening want a bit of a guidepost, three, what we see resonate is three to five customer stories in about a 45 minute sales discussion. And it's relevant in a discovery call, a demo, or a closing call. People want to know they're in good company. They want to know proof points and you want to remove it from you, the salesperson, to move it more to the voice of the customer. But that's, if you're going to do, if you're going to do that many uh, stories in a call, you've got to get those stories succinct and to the point. Yeah. So that's what, yeah. Um, good. No, I, I really appreciate that. That was a, that was a good chat. I want to, whenever I close, um, people that listen to this podcast, a lot of them are earlier on in their career and trying to learn from sales, marketing, business leaders. So what I like to do is sort of frame up your journey. Um, you've given us the background, but two, two questions I'd like to ask. First one, if you were to meet, you know, your, your 20 year old self, what would be one piece of career advice that you could give them, uh, that you would find really valuable? It would be get a mentor. So, you know, I have reps ask me all the time or sales leaders, what books are you reading and what books can I read? And books are great. And, uh, you know, they, they, they have a big place in my life for sure. But where I look back and think of the things that, uh, where I've grown the most and, and specifically in my sales career, it's when I went out and actually actively got a mentor. And that didn't happen until a little bit later in my career. Like, well, still early-ish. Uh, but that was super helpful when I did that. And looking at yourself now as a professional, were you anything like what you were now when you were in high school? Yes, actually. Uh, almost to the T. Yeah. When I, it's funny that you say that. I've got a picture of me um, with like back in my high school-ish days that I keep around. And, and um, actually, actually, it's funny. I keep this thing right here as well. So I've got... DJ's karaoke. This is a karaoke <laughs> business I started when I was in grade 10 or 11. And I think back to that, Dave, and I was um, energized and motivated and felt like I could do anything, uh, but of course made lots of mistakes. Um, and it's not until recently that I actually was able to get back into that mindset because life gets clouded, right? And, uh, and so I, I, I wouldn't have confidently said yes um uh, probably even a couple of years ago but now i absolutely can good i like that that's that's really good and that's uh it's really meaningful because i think that everybody has that energy and that enthusiasm when they're young yeah and i think it's very easy to lose that as yeah. life throws things at you you know yeah i respect that that's a, that's very powerful um the you're okay so again you mentioned mentors you mentioned uh that's really important to learn and grow but are there any sources that you look to to learn any sort of podcasts audibles books that you're into right now that uh you can recommend for people that want to sort of pick up some new material you know it's funny when when uh you talk to uh really really busy people like yourself <laughs> and, and and i know i they'll tell you they they barely have time to actually do a bunch of learning right like it's almost like a bunch of seeds that were planted earlier now yep. we're coming to fruition, but you know, the, the smartest ones will also say they make the time, right? You hear Bill Gates yeah. saying he has his thought weeks where he goes away and all this other stuff. Um, for me, honestly, I've got three little kids and my life is so freaking crazy. Uh, I actually 
I, all I do now is uh, li listen to audiobooks before bed um, and ones from really interesting people where I feel I can learn something. And I also reach out to people and have conversations and try and learn from them. Um, I mean, I learn every day from everyone, but uh, you know, I, I have to admit that the pace is such in my life that professional development at the moment isn't yeah. a massive priority for me. It's tough. It's very tough. I've, I've defaulted to, to audiobooks, podcasts. Um, to be honest, I love doing these interviews because yeah. I, learn, I learn a lot every single time I speak to somebody. Yeah. So that's a really, really good source. Um, I think that's all I have. Is there, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up? And if not, then how do people get in touch with you? Thanks. No, I think I'm good. I really enjoyed this. It's been good. a fun conversation. Uh, people can get in touch with me um, on LinkedIn. Please hit me up. Love to hear from you. I love talking shop. And, um, and uh, feel free to email me, davidreplays.com. It's R-E-P-L-A-Y-Z, replays.com. Perfect. Awesome. So that was another episode of the Sales versus Marketing Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, Dave. Um, if you haven't already, uh, please share uh, with all your friends, families, coworkers, peers, anybody who you think you'd find uh, value in learning about sales, marketing, or business. Uh, please subscribe uh, or download from any of your favorite podcast sources. Uh, you can also find this podcast on YouTube. Uh, as always, have a, very, have a very productive week. Have a great week, and we will speak again soon. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Sales versus Marketing Podcast, brought to you by ROI Overload, delivering strategy, technology, and insights to both sales and marketing leaders and teams globally. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. 
I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professional to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, 
the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 